I'm Kendall Giles, and this is the Techno Slipstream Podcast, where we help you navigate complex technologies and their impacts on society through analysis and critique. This is episode 23. So for our fifth Winter Moss podcast episode, I want to start by describing a project that was started some 11 years ago now, but that seems right at home in 2022. Proposed by researchers in the UK, their project was called BinCam, and this affixes a camera to the inside of your trash can and takes a picture of everything you throw away. Perhaps sensing an opportunity for Silicon Valley venture capital funding, or not wanting to miss an opportunity to increase public surveillance, BinCam would also upload those pictures of your trash to a Facebook app and compute a score based on what you threw away, so that you could receive praise for minimizing food waste and recycling properly, or public shaming for being, well, too wasteful. Thankfully, we don't hear too much about BinCam these days, but the mentality behind the project unfortunately remains in today's culture, which is why in today's podcast episode, we'll do a deep dive into the book, To Save Everything, Click Here, The Folly of Technological Solutionism, written by Evgeny Morozov. Okay, let's dive in. Okay, Evgeny's birthplace in Belarus is kind of timely, but I did not pick the book or the author based on the current war that's going on over there, but maybe you now know where Belarus is. So Evgeny was born in Belarus, and he's a researcher and journalist who writes especially about democracy and the internet. He's written for publications such as Foreign Policy Magazine, The Economist, the Washington Post, Slate, and others. In 2011, he published the book, The Net Delusion, The Dark Side of Internet Freedom. And in 2013, he published the book we'll discuss today, To Save Everything, Click Here, The Folly of Technological Solutionism. Again, though this book has been out for about nine years, I think the issues he discusses remain needing our attention. So the two big ideas that Morozov pursues in his book are what he calls internet centrism and solutionism. And the book focuses on showing how internet centrism and solutionism overlap and combine to create a big problem in our culture and in our approach to technology. But before we get to those terms, I want to set the stage. From my own research on the history of the internet, if we look back to the earliest days of the internet, all the way back to the 1960s and 1970s, that's totally last century, we see how the personal values of the engineers from the Advanced Research Projects Agency of the United States Department of Defense, or ARPA, who developed the early internet network, facilitated a culture of collegiality, decentralization of authority, and open exchange of information into the system, which led many people to believe that the internet would enable a democratization of power by giving everyone a voice. However, in the article, 
Cyber Libertarian Myths and the Prospects for Community, Langdon Winner describes how that internet culture became corrupted by a neoliberal ideology he referred to as Cyber Libertarianism, a collection of ideas that links ecstatic enthusiasm for electronically mediated forms of living with radical, right-wing libertarian ideas about the proper definition of freedom, social life, economics, and politics. This ideology was championed and promoted by the Internet Digerati of those times, folks such as Nicholas Negroponte, George Gilder, Alvin Toffler, Esther Dyson, John Perry Barlow, and Kevin Kelly who embraced technological determinism, spoke of rapidly accelerating technologies that were ever faster, more powerful, and more promising, and promoted a radical individualism. Their ideology became exemplified by tech companies, such as Google, Facebook, and Twitter, who fostered the move-fast-and-break-things corporate engineering cultures, mentalities, and products. Okay, now let's get to those terms. For Evgeny Morozov's internet-centrism term, the internet is, according to some people, more than just a collection of networked computing devices. It is a destination, a world, a lifestyle, an ideology with inherent values and virtues such as openness, transparency, and the free flow of information. This new world and ideology, which, again, in history goes all the way back to the 1960s, is what Morozov is focusing on with his term internet-centrism. For what Morozov means by solutionism, we can look to ex-Google CEO Eric Schmidt, who once said, In the future, people will spend less time trying to get technology to work, because it will just be seamless. It will just be there. The web will be everything, and it will also be nothing. It will be like electricity. If we get this right, I believe we can fix all the world's problems. So combined with internet centrism, solutionism turns the engineer's love of problem solving into a match made in heaven. On the internet, with the entire world of data at their fingertips, engineers can provide solutions for any of life's problems. Want to get people to recycle better? Build on psychologist B.F. Skinner's research on rewards for pigeons and rats by putting an internet-connected camera in someone's trash can and gamify what they throw away by publicly sharing their trash consciousness score. Want people to lose weight? Connect their bathroom scale to the internet and share daily weights on Twitter. Want people to cook better? Use augmented reality to direct a cook exactly what ingredients to use and how to use them. The idea is that by tracking and analyzing us, Engineers can reduce any problem down to an efficient, optimal number. The problem will be solved if we can just reach that score. And the internet is a way to program and reach the entire world. At least, that's the sales pitch. Everything has not worked out so perfectly for the internet digerati. From what I've seen in my own research, the result has been that today's internet is filled with engineering cultures and internet technologies that many suggest are actually causing more harm than good. Examples include institutional racism in the technology industry, how search engines can actively discriminate, how technologies, especially automation, can deepen social inequities, 
and how engineering became a gendered profession. Instead of fulfilling the aspirations of the early founders of the internet for giving everyone a voice, these technologies can be seen as diminishing the democratic potential of the public sphere. Evgeny seems to agree. Here he states the premise of his book. Silicon Valley's quest to fit us all into a digital straitjacket by promoting efficiency, transparency, certitude, and perfection, and by extension eliminating their evil twins of friction, opacity, ambiguity, and imperfection, will prove to be prohibitively expensive in the long run. His goal, therefore, seems to be to analyze the problems we have as a society, especially our infatuation with solutionism and internet centrism, so that we can begin to have more meaningful debates about the shape and use of technology in our lives. To discuss in a little more detail what we mean by solutionism, let's look at one of the examples I mentioned earlier that most of us can relate to. No, not cameras in our trash, but cooking. Consider the cookbook. What a computer scientist might say is a collection of algorithms for producing tasty dishes. Yet, Evgeny cites political philosopher Michael Oakeshott, who says cookbooks are actually tied to the often invisible practices and traditions of cooking. The skill of a cook results in a cookbook, not the other way around. Yet with technology, video cameras installed in a kitchen, sensors on the scales, and augmented reality tracking and guiding the cook's every move, Evgeny says that engineers are turning the modern kitchen into a temple of modern-day tailorism, with every task tracked, analyzed, and optimized. I think Oakshot would agree with Evgeny in that the application of technology like this to cooking may help direct our hands and arms to make the motions that result in a cooked dish, but that is far from someone learning to master the art and skill of being a cook. Evgeny says, We are left with the possibility of better food, but without the joy of cooking. To become a cook, a real cook, one practices techniques, learns from other master cooks, tries to make new dishes, burns their hand on the stove, watches the faces of their guests or customers as they try their new creations. Learning to cook does not come from using augmented reality any more than tracing a drawing turns someone into an artist. Moreover, there's a larger philosophical point Evgeny is trying to draw on in this example and the others, a lot of others, examples in the book. Is the human experience improved with our society's obsession with efficiency and optimization and data tracking and surveillance? That's the question. What are we giving up by being obsessed with these traits? Once all these technologies are installed in our kitchens, to stick with the cooking example, do you think over time we'll have fewer sensors and channels extracting our data and sending them to various companies? Don't you think insurance companies will also be curious about this data that tracks how healthy or not we are eating? Might those insurance companies start collaborating with food science companies to get us to eat more manufactured fat substitutes, for example, so that we are, quote, healthier, at least according to the insurance companies? I don't think Evgeny means for us to reject technology wholesale. I don't think he wants us to become technophobes. Rather, the point is to avoid reducing every problem into a number to be optimized, especially for efficiency's sake. I know this from my years as an engineer. The formulas we use to optimize solutions almost never 
contain variables related to improving the human condition and what society needs to flourish. So the author's book is full of additional interesting observations and insights that lead one to be more circumspect about technological solutionism, especially when holding the internet up as some ideal platform, uh, ideal means of communication, or ideal way to organize our own societies in the model of how the internet is structured. Silicon Valley tech tycoons often push back against any criticism about their technologies that they develop by saying that eh, technology is neutral and technology just reflects the biases that are inherent in society itself. However, Evgeny makes a great connection to Donald McKenzie's book, An Engine, Not a Camera, How Financial Models Shape Markets, by noting that technologies, such as the Google search engine, Twitter, or the internet itself, is more like an engine than a camera, and that how it initially chooses to present and slice reality also creates a new reality in its own right. I've just touched on what's in this book. It's a great book, and I really encourage you to read it. But I want to jump to the end. What's to be done? From my point of view as an engineer, as a university faculty member, as a critical researcher, one area on my list, as I've mentioned in previous episodes of this podcast, is to focus on the engineers, their cultures, their values, their development processes, their designs, the apparent lack of due diligence technical leaders apply to the products they develop, and the resulting ways these issues affect the technologies and their impacts on society. Rather than being increasing causes of social error, environmental waste, and mental and psychological stress, I think that technologies, if designed more intentionally, could actually serve as net social benefits. In the book, Evgeny notes, studies show that design students primed to think in terms of systems who receive additional training in non-design disciplines, such as psychology, anthropology, development, or ecology, tend to come up with more innovative and sustainable solutions than design students only primed to think like efficiency-maximizing engineers. I think this book is important, even though it is a few years old, because it shows a clear gap between current approaches to technology design and what society actually needs to be healthy and flourish. To me, this book highlights the need for critical looks at not just the technologies, but also the processes we use to create them. I think we need more deliberation about the risks involved in emerging technologies, and we need more proactive policies to help guide the technologies we should be creating in order to have a future worth having. We need less dependence on psychological models to make technologies more usable or invisible or addictive, and more inputs from philosophical models to make our interactions with technology more informed, meaningful, and intentional. And finally, because our technologies often have unpredictable consequences, as Evgeny writes in the book, projects that pursue the right thing should always have a way through which the very definition of what counts as the right thing can be challenged and subverted. And that's a wrap for episode 23. I hope you enjoyed this Wintermoss deep dive into Evgeny Morozov's book, to save everything, click here, The Folly of Technological Solutionism. 
Note that I can really use your support over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Giles. But in any case, again, thanks for listening. And until next time, I'll see you in the Techno Slipstream. <laughs>